All right. Good afternoon, Metro Praise International. How's everybody doing this afternoon? Oh, come on. That was weak. Come on, make some noise. How's everybody doing this afternoon? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. It's good to see you guys here this afternoon. Can you guys believe that next Thursday is Thanksgiving? Man, time flies, but you know, um, but thank you guys for joining us this afternoon. Uh, if this is your first time here, uh, we thank you for uh, taking your time out of your, your schedule to come worship with us. I'm Pastor Tony. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise International. Why don't we all stand before we begin? All right. Oh, I almost forgot. Brandon Holt is in the house, y'all. Give it up for Brandon. All right. All right, before we start our service, uh, we have someone come up and share a testimony of what the Lord has done in her life. So I would like to call up Stephanie Santoyo to come up and share what, what the Lord has been doing. Yes, please give a warm welcome as she comes up to share. Awesome. Good afternoon. It's good to be here with you guys. Um, I just want to testify about God's goodness in providing us rest. And um, I just want to share this psalm, Psalm 62, 5 to 8. And this... Um, can be used in every part of our lives you know it says yes my soul finds rest in God you know our soul our mind will and our emotions they find rest in God my hope comes from him truly is my rock and my salvation he is my fortress I will not be shaken my salvation and my honor depend on God he is my mighty rock and my refuge trust in him at all times you people pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge and so I just want to share that scripture verse just um, encouraging us all to find rest in God, whether you're in work and you feel troubled, whether you're here now and you need rest. We're coming into this time of worship, and uh, God says to us, he says, pour out your hearts at all times. And so tonight, let's just, I mean, this morning, just let's prepare our hearts. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you, God, and Lord, we thank you that you allow us to pour our hearts out, Lord God, to find rest in you, our, our mind, God, our soul, our will, and our emotions. God, find rest in you, God. So I pray that if there's anything hindering people from pouring out their hearts, God, I pray that that would be removed today, Lord. And I pray that as you, they pour out your, their hearts, God, that you would pour out your heart to them, God. So I pray you bless this time of worship in, in Jesus' name. Amen. scream it out from every mountain top your goodness knows no bounds your goodness never stops your mercy follows me your kindness fills my life your love amazes me come on say that again I want to scream I want to scream it out from every mountain top, your goodness knows no bound. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. So, cause I sing because you are good, and I dance because. You are good and I shout because you are good, you are good to me. Oh, I sing because you are good and I dance because you are good and I shout because you 
Oh! 
Let us experience the glory of. Come on, let me hear you say that right there. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your good. Let us become. Let us become more aware of your presence. Burning ever brighter in the 
kings and kingdoms falling, hear your people calling, king of kings, we need a miracle. Come on, say that. We need your revival, Holy Spirit fire, burning ever brighter in our souls. Kings and kingdoms falling, hear your people calling, King of kings, we need a miracle. Come on, say it again. We need your revival, Holy Spirit fire, burning ever brighter in our souls. Kings and kingdoms falling, hear your people calling, King of kings we need a Father saw in the days of old, would you do it again? Do it again. All the stories told, all the miracles, would you do it again? Do it again. <laughs> You said, consecrate yourselves to me. You'll see amazing things. We need your revival. Holy Spirit fire. Burning ever brighter in our souls. Kings and kingdoms fall. Love is victorious, and it's fine. 
presence Lord we love to worship you Jesus we thank you for this amazing love oh God we thank you that you died for us that you took our place that's why we gather together that's why we have come to enter into your presence oh God singing praises to your name Lord we worship you today we bless your name Hallelujah. How many of you guys excited that we get to worship the Lord together every week? I want us to take a few moments and lift up our family in prayer as we're all going to gather together this week for Thanksgiving with our family. A lot of you guys will be around your loved ones. Some of you may I have not seen for a long time. And I just want us to pray for them. I want you guys to know that you carry the light of Christ inside of you, that the power of the Holy Spirit is in you. And where you go, there is peace. Where you go, you bring healing. Where you go, you bring the saving power of Jesus Christ. So I want us to lift up those in our family who don't know Jesus. That this Thanksgiving, you guys can preach the gospel to them. That you can share with them the love of Jesus through a word of encouragement. Letting them know that you love them. Inviting them to church. Whatever the case may be. If there's division in your family. There's brokenness. That you would be the source of healing that Jesus uses to, you know, to bring that to them. So if you guys can hold hands as one big happy family. You guys can connect through the, through the aisles. We're going to lift up our family in prayer. Jesus, you're so good, God. And we are so thankful. This Thanksgiving week, Lord, we know that it's not just a one-time thing for us every year. We live a life of thanksgiving before you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the salvation that you've given to us. We thank you for your blood, Lord, that washes us clean. And I pray that this week as we're around our friends and our families, that they would see the light of Christ inside of us. That if there's brokenness and hurt and pain in our family, use us this week, oh God, to speak your truth and to bring your healing. And especially those in our family, oh God, that are not saved. They have rejected your truth. They have rejected you as Savior day after day and year after year as we've preached them. I pray that this year, oh God, will be their saving, their saving time. That this time, oh God, that they would come to you. I pray, Lord God, that we would reap a harvest of souls in our family. We want our whole family to be saved to know the truth and so i pray that you would use us to bring the light of christ into wherever we're going to be into that kitchen room into that dining room into that living room oh god as we're fellowshipping with all those that we love they would ask us they would ask us why are you so happy how do you have so much joy and we would be ready to give them the answer for the hope that we have god and we love you so much and we thank you for all of your goodness to us in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He is so good. We serve an awesome God. I'm so thankful that we could come together as a church family, worship the Lord week after week in freedom in this country. 
Uh, you can pass the, the table this way. You guys can be seated. We're going to transition now and preach the gospel. Welcome to our second service. We thank you all that have joined us to worship the Lord. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. We're just so thankful that you've come to join us. On behalf of all of the leaders, thank you. I'm going to preach the gospel to you. This is a simple message that Jesus saves. And I'm going to be speaking from John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus was speaking these words to people that believed him. They believed that he came, he was the son of God. But what's so powerful about this is that Jesus didn't just come to make believers out of us. He wants to set us free. And the only way that we get to experience true freedom in Christ is when we follow his teaching, become his disciples. We humble ourselves and we say, Jesus, I'm going to follow your way. I'm going to follow your word. You lead me. You guide me. I'm going to be your disciple. And then truth becomes real to us at that moment. Truth is revealed, and it's the truth that sets you free, the truth of who Christ is in you, who Jesus is. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. So I want to encourage you today, if you have not come to Jesus and saying, I want to follow all of your teaching because I want to know the truth. I don't want truth just to be what I make of it. You know, everybody's opinions around me and I, you know, take a little bit of that and take a little bit of this and, and make it my own truth. No, we come to the truth of the word of God and we follow his teachings and we become a disciple of Christ and then we will be set free. So if you feel like, you, you know, you're in bondage today and you're stuck in your sin and you, there's no way out, I'm here to tell you that Jesus has made a way on that cross when he gave himself for us. He died on that cross, shed his blood. He died and rose again. And we are given eternal life through that in Jesus' name. So if you could close your eyes all across this room at this time, you know if this message is for you and you've been running from God or rejecting his ways, I want to encourage you today, come to Jesus, be his disciple so that you can know the truth, so that truth can set you free. God, I thank you for every single person in this room. I pray that today they would humble themselves before you the living God and say, Jesus, come. I want to give you my life. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. Be the master of my life. I want to follow your way. Be your disciple because I want to be set free. God, I pray they would humble themselves before you and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to transform their life. Nothing that they could do on their own, God. We trust in your gift of salvation. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God is so good. You guys can stand up to your feet. We're going to have prayer workers up here. If you need prayer today and you're saying, you know what, I've tried it before. I've, I just, it doesn't work for me. I want to encourage you, come and get prayer and find out how you could get plugged into this church so that you could be a disciple. You guys ready to confess this confession of faith together? Come on, let's do it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world 
the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Clap it up for Jesus. You guys spend some time fellowshipping. Give somebody a hug or a handshake. Again, thank you for joining us. All right, you guys can make your way back to your seats. Welcome to Metro Praise International, our 1 p.m. service. 
It's so good to see all of you guys here. Thank you for joining us. Our services here are every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our children's service. So we have our family service. So we have King's Kids in the back for our children. And then we have Elevate. Come on, help them out. Help them out, adults. Elevate. There we go. Every Friday, 7 p.m. for 11 to 18 years old. God is doing awesome things in our youth group. So we're so excited. Today is the talent show auditions for our Christmas service. So I'm sure you guys have already spoken to Pastor Jerry and Adam about your questions. Uh, 3.30 is when you guys will be meeting. So if you're in the 201, a deacon or an elder, join them. Be here today. It's going to be a fun time. Thanksgiving is right around the corner, just a few days away. So we want you guys to all join us for our Thanksgiving Day outreach, 10 a.m. this Thursday morning. We're going to meet here all together, pray, um, and then go together as one family to the west side and join the church there and really bless that community, feed them a wonderful meal, uh, street witnessing and all that stuff that goes in it, praying for people. So if you've already committed to that, thank you. If you haven't, check your calendars. Uh, we can always go and join our families afterward and have a wonderful time. So we're just excited about that. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us to live by. And we also have a strategy here. And our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. The way we want to do that uh, connect phase is through our life groups. We have so many life groups for you guys to choose from and really feel connected to the church. We want to mentor you through the 101 and the 201 books. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism. And our goal, as they go to the next the, the slide they were on before, the previous slide, please. Uh, our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. You guys get excited when we say that all the time? That's the goal. That's why we do what we do. And you're not an accident. It's not a coincidence that you are here. We have been here for uh, almost 12 years. March will be 12 years next year. And God has just done amazing things. And every single one of you guys are a gift to the ministry because we know that we can't do it alone. And God has a calling for each one of us to come together and win the city and the nations for Christ. So look to your neighbors. Say, get connected. Uh, this is a snapshot of the life groups we have for this week. If you turn your handout around, you'll find the schedule for the full quarter that will take us to the end of the year. So many different types of life groups for you and your family to, to get connected to. Kicking it off today is our marriage life group. Come on, married folks in the house. Uh, we're going to have a special event today. It's a thankful marriage. That's the lesson that it's going to be on in light of Thanksgiving week. So we're just excited about that. It's going to be at 5 o'clock here at the church. If you know any friends that are married, invite them. Tell them to come on by and meet you. There will be child care provided. And then we also have our two adult Bible studies meeting on Friday. It's really exciting because both the Goveas and the Vivits are having a Friendsgiving, guys. So invite your friends the day after Thanksgiving. You want to, you know you want to eat some more good food and some more slices of pie. What better way to do it than with your church family and the, the other people that are in your life, a neighbor, a co-worker. Say, let's get together. Let's go to this person's house. So we want to really bring visitors and come together and have a blessed, blessed time with each other. Then we want to mentor you. We have leaders ready in this church to help encourage you in your walk with the Lord. And the first stage is 101, welcome to your new life. And that leader will really take you through that book, teach you to be a disciple for the Lord, and encourage you in your walk with God. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to be a leader in the church and accomplish what God has for you uh, to accomplish on this earth until he comes back. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism. 
every Saturday from five to eight. From five to eight, we hit the streets preaching the gospel. If you've never done it, I would encourage you to do it. It's an awesome opportunity to see how God can use you to minister to others. So, in a recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal: a vision of loving God and loving people, strategy to connect, mentor, and send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. And I did that for memory because the slide didn't change. Isn't that awesome? I did it for memory. Woohoo! Who's excited to give their tithes and offerings? Praise the Lord. You guys are the best. The best, best, best church. The, we believe here at MPI that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. And we designate our offering here towards missions and building. And we know that that amount is an amount that God puts on our heart to give after the tithe. And we give with a cheerful heart and a generous heart because we know that God has blessed us. And we want to be a blessing to other people. And I just want to let you guys know that it's a special service today. It's also a little sad one. But this is the last time that Brandon will be with us, at least for the soul winning summer uh, building fund that we had going on. And we want to thank you guys for making that happen. It was all of us giving to the building fund this year. Uh, that last stretch that made it all happen and we were able to bring Brandon to be with us and help our worship team get to another level and we did all those events all throughout the summer and we thank you so much for giving to that but with this being his last time here I want to really challenge and encourage all of us to give to him personally to his ministry and sow that seed into his life because we believe that God is going to continue to do awesome things in him and through him and all that God has called him to do. So at this time, I actually would like us to stretch our hands towards him uh, so we could pray for him. It's not going to be the last time we're going to see him, but maybe it may be a last time for a little bit. But uh, we're so thankful for all that God has done uh, while he's been with us these seven months. And we're just going to believe God, God's hand to be upon him and to increase his ministry. Lord, we thank you so much for Brandon. God, we thank you for the gift that he was to us uh, as he ushered us into your presence, Lord, and, and taught our worship team to come to another level uh, together as a unit. And we just thank you for his life. Lord, we thank you that he lives the example also of loving God and loving people. He loves your church. He loves you. And I pray, Lord God, that you would bless him, that you would bless him financially. You will bless him with those doors that will open for ministry opportunities for him, oh God, that he will continue to fulfill his call on your life that it will never end, that he would uh, be led by your spirit, oh God, and trust you, even when things may not seem so clear, God, that he would continue to trust you uh, going forward to meet his needs, to provide for him, that increase would come, that prosperity would come, Lord, and all the things that he's believing for and speaking out in faith, God, that it would come to pass and he would not grow weary in doing good because at the proper time, he will reap a harvest, God. So we thank you for all that he imparted to us, to this ministry and we lord we thank you for him and we pray that you will bless him bless the offering that we're going to give and sow as a seed i pray that it would come back a hundredfold into his life and to ours and in this city in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen praise the lord let's get into our lesson today we're going to be on lesson five talking about overcoming fatigue how many you guys feel fatigued sometime we want to encourage you that when that hindrance comes, that you would push through and say, God, I'm going to trust you. Uh, the, uh, the definition to a hindrance is something that prevents us from being obedient to God's commands. And anything that comes into our life in that way, we, we want to push it out. So in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest 
if we do not give up. And that's the key word right there. Don't give up. Don't give up being faithful in your tithes and offerings. Put God first. Keep on giving until it comes because it's going to happen in his time. Here are three main points we could get from that verse. Number one, are you getting tired of doing good? The Bible is clear that not only are we to not give up doing good, but we are never to allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. It is not good enough to just serve God out of obligation. God wants your service to him to come from a heart of joy. And so if you find your, ever find yourself in a place of doing things out of obligation or, oh, I have to give this tithe or I have to go to church, that's not coming from a true, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ who died to commune with you through joy and peace and love. You want to be able to do things out of a joyful heart. And that giving your offerings is one of those things. So don't do it out of obligation. Do it out of a heart of joy because you know he loves you. He has a plan for your life and you want to be faithful to him. Number two, do you doubt God's timing? Impatience is a form of pride because we want God to do things our way in our timing. However, true faith trusts God even when you don't understand his ways. Remember, God's blessings may not come when you want them to, but they are always on time. Have you guys heard that God's not our genie in the bottle or he's not our Santa Claus? We walk through every season of life with him, trusting him every step of the way. And he doesn't just do whatever, uh, uh, you know, our little heart demands. We trust in his timing. We say, God, we're going we're gonna to do it your way. And number three, do you think your harvest is not coming? Fatigue and weariness sets in when you lose sight of God's promises. It happens when all you see is your sacrifices and not the heart of God for your life. Don't allow your present circumstances to dictate your identity. Praise God and be faithful at all times in sowing and in reaping. Amen. Here's a summary. Make the joyful choice to not become tired in serving God with your finances. It's a joyful choice to, to choose that. And here are three ways you can apply this. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after the tithe. Number two, repent if you have allowed yourself to become tired and impatient in your giving. And three, ask God to give you his strength and joy to never grow weary or give up. Let's confess this together over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit, guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. You guys can stand up to your feet with me. Again, a tithe is 10% of our total income. Offering is given towards missions and towards building. And I just want to give uh, some specific instruction if you want to sow seed into Brandon's ministry. If you're going to write out a check, please make it payable to Metro Praise. And in the memo, you could put Brandon Holt, and we'll give him one big check from MPI uh, all together. And then if you're going to give cash and put it in an envelope, mark his name as well under the offering so we know that it goes and gets designated towards him as well. Here are four ways you could give. Here at MPI, number one, in the bucket during the offering time. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Jerry for that today. And number four, you could go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Let's recite this together. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your blessing. 
God, we repent if we've allowed fatigue to get in our way of putting you first and being cheerful givers of our tithes and offerings. I pray, oh Lord, that we would continue to follow hard after you. That you would bless us on our jobs, give them increases and raises and promotions, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would continue to remain faithful and do good and not grow weary because we know that we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And so we put our trust and faith in you today. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver, increase and multiply it for your glory on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. We thank you guys so much for coming and giving. And we also thank you for your gener generosity. Come forward as you give. Right. How many are ready for an illustrated sermon? You guys ready to do this? Come on. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew. So good to have you guys here today. Open up to Matthew chapter 11. Um, we're going to go through a great sermon today on the parable of the sower by Jesus. And I think you guys will really get into this. Jerry and uh, Joe B. prepared this for us, so it's going to go well. Let's open up to Mar Matthew chapter 11. Did I say 11? Okay, I believe it's going to be 13. That is my fault. Please forgive me. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 and onward. Oh my goodness, Abby. Look at you. Let's give it up for Abby in the house. I didn't know you were here. Abby came to our second service. That's awesome. She's my friend. She's my friend. You guys my friends too? Okay, great. Look at this. Matthew 13, 1 through 9 and onward. That same day, Jesus went out the house, sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told, many, uh, told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path. The birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which uh, grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, which, is, which produced a crop to 160, 30, 
times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. So Jesus tells a parable. He's the master at making simple things uh, understandable for all of us. So he's going to make this real simple for us. He tells a story of a person planting seed and the four different grounds that the seed falls on. He said one falls on the path, birds comes and eats it, no, no growth. One falls on rocky ground, it, it gets a little bit of depth, it grows, then it instantly dies when the sun comes out. The third one falls among weeds, the weeds choke it out. The fourth one falls on good ground and begins to grow. Does everybody get that? Okay, so those are the four uh, grounds that he tells in the parable. We wouldn't have known what it was unless the disciples asked him. The disciples asked him, what does all this mean? Now we got the explanation. Go down to verse 18. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Somebody say, tell me, Jesus. Thank you. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. So you see how he explained that? When you hear the word, you don't understand it. It's like seed falling on rocky path. The bird comes and eats it. Now he's going to explain the next one, verse 20. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The second one is shallow because they don't have a deep walk with God. The sun scorches them. The sun are the problems of their life. Instead of having having a testimony, they go through the test and they get messed up. And that's why you got to see the sun can be a good thing in a plant's life, but if you don't have good roots, it can destroy it. Your tests weren't made to destroy you, but make you stronger, give you a testimony. Come on, somebody. Look at verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and deceitfulness of riches, and notice the third thing here, and the love of things slash pleasures. In the study that we're going through on John, we're learning all about the the Gospel of John. Today's a special service because we've been wanting to do this with Brandon coming with us for the last six months. And so we wanted to always make it a special service when he came for you to invite your friends. Now watch this. We learned in the book of John 90% of the material is new. So that means the others, Matthew and what are the other two Gospels? Mark and Luke are part of the synoptic Gospels because they are synonymous. They sound the same. Well, guess what? Matthew only has two weeds. He has the two weeds of deceitfulness, of wealth, and the worries of life. But Luke and Mark add the love of things slash pleasures. One calls it things. The other one calls it pleasure. And so basically, they're talking about the same thing there. So we learned that there's really three weeds. Worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, and love of pleasures. Choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Does everybody get that image in their mind? The, the weeds come up, choke it out. And then lastly, the good ground. But the seed falling on good ground refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. And just to get everybody up to date on what that means, they're 30, 60, um, 100. When we uh, did our pumpkin carving, did anybody carve pumpkins for Halloween? Anybody do that? Well, my family did. Well, when we got those seeds out of there, I taught my kids, look, there's about 50 seeds in one pumpkin. So if we eat about 25, and if we were farmers and planted 25, we would probably have close to 25 pumpkins next year. And then if we do that every year, you can see how you can multiply 30, 60, 100 fold. That means 100 times what you got out of one seed. Does everybody understand how agriculture works, right? I know we're city folk here, but I think we can get it. And you know what's really cool right now is now they're starting to have these urban farms that people are planting in abandoned neighborhoods. Does anybody, uh, abandoned uh, lots. Does anybody live close to an urban farm? 
Aren't those things cool? You know what I think they should do with all of Detroit? Make it farmland. A lot of these urban lands that were been abandoned, tear it down, make farmlands again. Why not? And if you look back into all of our lives, no matter if you're from India, you're from the Philippines, you're from America, or like in the sense of European descent or Latino, South America, how many of you can trace back somebody in your family to farms? How many can do that? Back to farms. Like, my grandpa was a farmer in Italy, right? Poland, farmers. Most of you can trace back your ancestors. Mexico, farmers. Puerto Rico, farmers. India, farmers. Because we all came from agricultural peoples. Urbanization is a new phenomenon. Now, Jesus is speaking to urban, I mean, not urban, he's speaking to uh, agricultural people using the example. So let's break it down, and let's see if we can understand. The sower is the preacher of the gospel. How many got that. You, you pretty much picked that up. Maybe you've heard this parable before or you got it as you were listening this time. So the farmer is always the same in every scenario. He's the same person in each place. The thing that he's sowing as seed is the Word of God. The Word of God is the same in each scenario. What changes is the ground. What does that represent? The heart of the person who hears the Word of God. So in this scenario, the preacher is the same. The Word Word is the same. It's the ground that changes. The ground that changes. So let's look at the four types of grounds. The first one is the pathway ground. That's the hard, unbelieving heart. The second one is the rocky ground. That's the shallow, weak heart. The third is the weedy ground, the sinful, distracted heart. And the fourth one is the good one, the fruity, the fresh and fruity, rooty, tooty. No, the fresh and tooty, rooty, fruity heart. Does anybody know what I'm trying to do there? I hop. How does it go? Fresh and tooty. No, I'm going. I'm going to IHOP, and I'm going to find out what that is. Fresh and fruity tooty. We're going to get it right now. We're going to get it. We got time in the second service. There it is. Everybody say in the count of three. One, two, three. Rudy tooty, fresh and fruity. Rudy tooty, shin fruity. Okay, we can do that stuff in the second service, right? So the second one, I mean the fourth ground is Rudy Tootie, fresh and fruity. There we go. That's the believing multiplying heart. So when you look at this picture right here, it's really helpful to get a visual of it. Now what makes today's sermon special is that I'm going to have Jerry and Joe B. act out each one of these scenarios so that hopefully you can see where you fit into this paradigm. But let me start off with something that Jerry had mentioned to me at the beginning of the day that I didn't even think about when we set up this sermon. Well, as I was thinking about the obvious here, the four, the four grounds, the four soils, I forgot to look at the preacher because she said, we have a lot of preachers in this church. And so you could also find yourself as the preacher in this scenario if you go out preaching with us. And I said this in the first, and I want to share with everybody here. Most of you uh, know, some of you maybe don't, but we go out 10 different times a week and preach the gospel. We go out before the first and second service on Sunday. We then go out Monday to Wright College. We then have Wednesday Kings Kids. You know how many Kings Kids they had here with our children's program? We witness on the west side, pick them up with buses, and go door-to-door -to -door here. Over 70 for Kings Kids on Wednesday. Let's give it up for that. Amen. That's four times. 
Thursday, they do the gang outreach from 7 to 10 in the toughest neighborhoods, 7 to 10. We go out there representing Jesus. That's the fifth one. Then on Friday, we have three bringing us to eight. The youth group goes out before the youth group to the high school, and then both Friday adult Bible studies go into their community preaching the gospel. That brings us to eight. And then Saturday, our main day evangelizing is nine. And where we get our tenth one from is both of our youth life groups that meet here at the church and the single moms group that meets at the church every other week, and it happens to go back and forth, they witness here at the church. So on average, every week, there are 10 gospel opportunities to preach the gospel here. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. And that's why the church is growing and doing what it's doing. And every one of these empty chairs here in our second service, these are opportunities to grow the church. Amen. Those of you who visit the first service and see how full it is, the second service, let's not look at it and be like the lame service. Let's look at the second service as our opportunity to fill in empty chairs. Amen. We're not going to give up on this second service. Amen. Ricky in the back, we're going to hang on and see God do something great here. And so, yes, you can see yourself as the preacher, but then also each one of us are here today in one of these hearts. And so as we begin to see the human uh, drama or video, rather, or the, uh, the skit, I want you guys to see where you find yourself here. Because each one of us has a heart, and we decide how we receive the Word of God. You can't blame the devil for how your heart is. It's your heart. None of these hearts are made that way other than by freedom of choice by the individual. So today you came here and you feel like, man, my heart's hard towards God. I don't believe that stuff. It's not because it's unbelievable. It's not because it's hard to understand. It's because you have chosen not to understand. You have chosen not to believe the word of God. And so it bounces off of you and gets taken up by the devil. If you're here today and you said, I've tried Christianity and it didn't work because I went through problems in life and it got super hard and I quit and maybe I'm a little better off now without church or I haven't you know, going to church in a while and I've been good. That's not because God changed. That's not because it, it didn't work for you, but it's worked for others. It's because your heart didn't allow God see his word to go deep in you. If you're here today, let me just tell you the third one, the weedy heart applies to really all of us in one sense or another, because if we don't take care of the garden of our heart, weeds could come at any time. How many have noticed that you could de-weed your entire garden and the next day there could be weeds there? And so these weeds, those three things, worries, love of money, and pleasures can come in if we're not careful. And so if you've been dealing with some stuff in your life and you're thinking, man, I, I don't know. I'm at a point of decision. Do I keep coming to church and really deal with it? Or do I just quit on God and give in to those things? Be careful because those weeds will destroy your life. And so no matter where we started today, you know where I believe we can all end? With a good heart. And listen, the good heart is not done because you're religious. It doesn't say that that person had that heart because they went to church all the time or they were better than somebody else. They chose to have that heart because they believe the message. They receive the message. So it's not like we're here today going, well, if I don't have a good heart, I'm not as good as the other person that did have a good heart. No, it has nothing to do with being good. The only reason today I have a good heart is because I let Jesus change my heart. I accepted what he said. And so I hope that you find this to be really exciting and very interesting. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. So we are going to start off with the stony pathway heart. I want you to think about this right now. Could this be you? And if it's not you, 
It may be somebody you know, and you may preach to people like this. So let's give it up for Joe B. and Jury. Hey, man. How's it going? Hey. Hey, I'm Jerry. Okay. Hi, Jerry. I'm Joe. Hi, Joe. Um, I'm out here today preaching the gospel of Jesus. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, that's good. What, well, what do you think about Jesus? Listen, uh... Not to, you know, ruin your day or anything, but I'm an atheist, so I don't think this is for me. Thank you, though. Thank you. Well, wait, wait. Well, let's talk about what you do believe. I believe in science, if you, if you want to know. I, I believe in concrete evidence that mm. I can see, touch, hear, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, I believe in science, too. Really? Yeah, and God. I, I don't think you understand what that means. Really? No. Why? Well, I mean, if you believe in science, you must believe in the evolutional truths that... Most scientists believe. Am I right? Or well, I believe in creation. Like, oh, I believe that God said it and it happened. <laughs> you're one of those people. Okay. All right. But, so what you're telling me is that you believe that we came from some goo, and then it, we went through the zoo and became Well, you? you're, you're getting all simplistic about it. It's a very complicated uh, uh, method, okay? Evolution is not some kind of thing that you can just shoot out and then you can explain. No, you, you look at the evidence. Look at the re research. It. You, should, you should research, honestly. I, I have. And what I'm saying is that all the evidence just points that there's more of a creator because evolu <laughs> like if evolution was true, why aren't monkeys still becoming humans? Because I, I, that I don't see. Well, there's many reasons why, you know, they pave off into another way and, and then they keep evolving. You should understand. You should research it, though, honestly. I uh, have. And besides, what kind of God do you believe in? Like, are you uh, believe in hin like the Hindu gods or like... No, I believe in Jesus. Oh, the all loving, all knowing, all powerful. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. Listen, if God, if He's such a good God, right, mm -hmm. and Jesus cares for us so much, why is it that there's a homeless man across the street that can't find food, can't find a job, he's suffering? Why is there uh, people that are cancer patients that they die at a young age? Why? Why is this? Why well, do bad things happen to good people? Explain to me. Where is your God? Well. I can tell you this. One, it's because sin came into the world, bringing oh. suffering and death and sickness. All you churches always just slam sin on people like that matters. It does matter because it explains the condition of the world. And then you got to think that some, some things just come out from choice. Do you believe you have a free will? Well, listen, uh, no offense to you. Uh, what's your name again? My name's Jerry. Okay, well, no offense to you. But uh, free will is, is, we probably have different ideas of what it is. I believe that I'm really just a bunch of chemicals, right? They're reacting. And when I think, it, it's really just, and when I do something, it's because basically that's how I'm going to so live. So you don't get a thought life. Like you just well, do what you're programmed to do. Well, in a sense, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, we came on this earth so as So you don't chance. have a choice tonight whether you're going to eat pizza or eat spaghetti. You're well, just gonna gonna going to do whatever your body that. tells you to do. I'm going to want to do that. See, I believe that we got a free will. I get to choose. You get to choose. You get to choose whether you're going to believe in God or not believe in God. He's, he's a gentleman, so he's not going to force you to believe it. But he's a good God who came to die to yeah, take away yeah, the heard, sickness I've, I've, I've and the suffering. That, I've heard that all before. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure you're a good person. And I, I'm a good person, too. So you should stop focusing on this so much because it's, it's no one really cares. Okay, No one really wants but to God hear really all cares. this you know, you should do. You should focus on bettering the next generation, teaching them things they actually need, so that we can become better as as humans. Well, that's what you should do. But then it's like you're talking about oh, being a good person and doing good things. But where does your morality come from? 
listen, my morality came, comes from the community that I was born in, and then so on and so on. But where does their the, morality come listen, from? Because there's something in you that says something is good or something is bad. It just can't all be relative. There has all, to be a foundation. These are all questions that we really don't have an answer for. You'll never have an answer. I'll never have, have an answer. answer. It's well, in you Jesus. Think, listen, I'm not going to believe in some flying spaghetti monster in the sky. I could care less about that. But you know what? Uh, no offense again. You have a great day, okay? Uh, Jerry, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Good. Bye. God bless. All right. Let's give it up for that sassy exchange. Good job. How many have ever had an exchange like that with somebody before? Now, atheism is not as popular as other belief systems, but it is getting more and more popular. I hear a lot of that at Wright College. And what basically God is describing here in this scenario is every time the word is coming to them, they're keeping their hearts so hard that it can't go in and the birds come and eat it. That's what Jesus is saying. And that happened in his generation through different belief systems, and it's happening in our generation. So what we need to think about right now is do we put God in that kind of box? Do we treat him like that? Well, God is understandable to those of us who really want to understand him. Because remember it says that they get the word taken from them because they don't understand. Understand. Now, this reminds me of dealing with my kids when they're in their rebellion, and I say to them, or they ask me, like, can we go to, uh, to Chuck E. Cheese? And I'm like, no, we can't go to Chuck E. Cheese. They'll be like, but later, can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? And I'm like, no, but later, we're not going to go. Can we go today at any time of day? And I'm like, no, we can't go any time today. And then, they, and, and then they'll, like, let some time pass by, and then a little bit later, I'll say, well, what do you guys want to do today? Well, we want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. And I say, well, we can't go to Chuck E. Cheese. Well, can we go later? And sometimes it will go on like that for a long time. So what we we learn, and parents, you can use this. I, I've come up with this on my own, but you can use it if you want. I then say back to them when they ask me now the first time, can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? I'll say, no, do you understand me? And then they have to respond back to me, yes, daddy, I understand. Because you see, we can hear things and not believe them or want to believe them. And by doing that, we limit our understanding. As a matter of fact, it doesn't just happen with our discussion with God. It happens in a lot of areas. Let's say that uh, you have a belief system about politics and you're talking to somebody that's conservative or Democrat. And, and let's say they're actually making a genuine point. But you don't want to believe their point because you're so close-minded to what MSNBC says or what Fox News says. You've already drawn a box and put them in the stupid category. And so somebody that's stupid can't teach you something. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Now with the things that you heard in, in their discussion, we deal with a lot in this culture. And you may be here that feel, uh, feel this way. So let me just help you just think of a few things. If you think that evolution is the answer to you being here, you are dead wrong, my friends. You could not be further from the truth. Because first First of all, how did evolution ever come to be? If we say, well, we came from what, you know, happened here on the planet. Well, where did this planet come from? Well, it happened when there was the Big Bang. Where did the Big Bang come from? For you to deny there is a creator, what are you putting in place of that? You are putting in place of that the false belief that nothing, literally nothing, no thing can create something. Is that smart or foolish to believe a statement like that? Nothing can create something. Is that smart? No, it's foolish. 
But you see, the one who doesn't want to believe that says they can't understand that because they're refusing to understand it. It's not that it's so complicated. It's not like the Bible's really complicated, people. It's actually quite simple. Children can understand it. It's not hard at all. We teach it to our children in the back, and they get it every single time. They, they, you know, we're teaching them, hey, guess where this planet came from? Where? God created it. Okay, that makes sense. You mean like mom makes a cake? God made the universe? Yep, pretty much the same. Yeah, that's how it works. Creators make creations. Bakers bake things. Watchmakers make watches. If you found a watch on the side of the ocean, you wouldn't pick it up and go, oh, look what happened when a, a watch factory exploded over 10 billion years. This watch was made. You would pick it up and assume a watchmaker. From the most complex part of your body to the cells to the DNA code that arranges your cells, all of this is a part of a creation. A creation implies a creator. Then the other thing that a lot of people have a problem with is the Christian morality. They point to the Bible, say there's a hell. They don't like that. They look at all the problems in the world. They say that Jesus and God is supposed to be love. They don't like that. Well, what they don't understand is that they have no standard of right or wrong. So imagine right now if we were going to have an argument of whether or not if we were going to measure this room right here, we were going to use a yardstick or a metric stick of a meter, a meter or a yard. How many know there's a difference? And this is the different measuring systems between what U.S. standards are and most of the whole other world uses the metric system, especially in Europe. So if we had an argument right here and said, how many people think we should use the yardstick? And everybody goes, yeah, we should use the yardstick. And then some, I go, how many do you think we should use the, the, metri- the, the meter stick? Oh, and everybody makes noise. Let me ask you a question. How would we know which one is better? The yardstick or the meter stick? Which one is better? You see, we have no way of knowing which way is better because it's only now a matter of opinion. You like to use the yardstick, I'll use the meter stick. But that is exactly what you have when you have people arguing morality without having a foundation of truth. Somebody says, I don't like murder. Somebody like Hitler says, I like murder. Which one is wrong? It's just a matter of opinion. Where can you point out the one is right? You see, you could even go further in this example and think about looking at telephone poles. If you look at a telephone pole, how would you know it's straight? Maybe you would look at the one a little bit further down, and you'd go, well, compared to this one, it kind of looks straight, but then again, it looks a little crooked. As a matter of fact, they all could look a little crooked, and you wouldn't know until you pulled out a a leveling stick, and then you could see with the leveler which one is really straight and which one is crooked. But if you don't have the leveler, and I just said, tell me which telephone poles are straight and which ones are crooked, could you tell me? Can you tell me the difference between any moral decision? You can't unless you have a standard. God provides the standard. So when someone says to me, I don't like that there's evil in the world, well, why do you even recognize that there's evil? If it's all natural selection, then there is no difference between when a mother lion eats the child of the other competing pride of the other lion's children than with some sicko eating the children of her neighbor as a person. There would be no problem because if we're animals, you have no standards. You can't say humans ought to live this way and animals live this way. Do you understand? You're just arguing whether you like yardsticks or meter sticks. And you can't say, well, there's too much evil in the world. There's not enough good. And me and my friends, we all got together and decided these things are bad or these things are right. Because if you don't have a leveler, no one knows what up and down is. No one knows. 
And so when we look at the person who says, I have a problem with evil, we got a real simple solution to the problem of evil. You want to hear it? Sin. God made everything perfect. We sinned. Now we got a problem. Jesus came to die on the cross to forgive our sins. It's not a problem that you can't understand that if you don't believe that. Do you understand the parable here? Jesus is saying, you can believe this if you want to, because it's really easy to understand. How many get it? Everything was perfect. Man sinned. Now there's evil. Now you recognize evil, don't you? You recognize it. Without a God, you can never explain why you could recognize it. And then lastly, when he was talking about, you know, that's good for you, not good for me, these kinds of things has become popular in our culture as a way of explaining away truth. When we don't like something, we just explain it away by saying, well, that's good for you, but that's not good for me. That may work for you, but that doesn't work for me. And then those are the same kind of people that then want to say they're really scientific. They, they don't believe in God because they believe in science. Now, we believe in God and science. We believe in the Big Bang. We just know who banged it. God said it. Bang, it happened, right? All of that sassy stuff. But watch. It's the same thing when people try to play off your truth like that. And they say, well, that's true for you, but not true for me. Well, then you can ask them, do you believe in absolute truth? Do you believe that there are things that are absolutely true? and absolutely wrong, that there's an actual standard to knowing whether or not we believe things. This is called logic. And one of the key components of logic is the law of non-contradiction. That A cannot be B if B is different than A. This starts with the law of identity, understanding the differences between A and B. And if they truly have differences, A cannot be B. The law of contradiction is how we make all types of rational decisions in our life. The road is not the sky. Therefore, your car, which is designed for the road, can ride on the, car, uh, ride on the road, not the sky. Sky and road are exclusive. They are not the same thing. Does everybody get that? Well, these laws of logic, where do you think laws of logic come from? If they point to their brain and say, oh, it comes from my brain, you're talking about an organ in a jar? Show me the law of logic there. We've done brain transplants. Where is it? We've done brain scans. How many know what a brain scan it looks like or the MRIs for the brain? Where's the law of logic? Do you see laws of logic in the brain scan? Brains are the car that the mind uses. The mind is the driver, and the brain is the operational function of the mind. But the mind is not the brain. The brain dies, the mind goes on with the soul. And so the mind understands logic. And so when someone says, that's true for you and not true for me, you ask them, do you believe in absolute truth? Now they will show you if they truly want to understand truth or whether or not they're going to contradict themselves and be a fool. So if they say back to you, they go, no, I don't believe in absolute truth. All you have to do is ask them, do you believe that absolutely? Because they just made a statement, I don't believe in absolute truth. And so you can ask them, is that absolutely true? There is no absolute truth. And if they say, yeah, that's absolutely true, there's no absolute truth, you've just made your first absolute statement. You have shown yourself to be contradicting. Do you understand the law of contradiction? Here's another way of thinking about these laws of contradiction in everyday English or in everyday uh, like, like terms. If I said to you, I cannot speak a word of English, have I just contradicted myself? If I just said to you, my parents never had any children that lived, have I contradicted myself? 
Yes. If I said to you that I'm a married bachelor, have I contradicted myself? If I say to you there's no truth and I know that's true, have I contradicted myself? See, it's the law of non-contradiction. You can't contradict yourself and be true. We understand this to be logically true. We understand these laws of logic like we understand the laws of math. Just as surely as 2 plus 2 equals 4, we understand that you cannot contradict yourself and be true. Inconsistency and contradiction is a sign of a failed argument. You deal with that on an everyday basis. And so then let's say they go, well, yeah, I do believe in absolute truth, but I don't believe it applies to religion. Then all you have to do is walk them through religious claims and go, did Jesus rise from the dead or not? It's either he did or he didn't. If he didn't rise from the dead, Christianity is wrong. If he did rise from the dead, Christianity is true. Do you want to investigate that claim with me? Did God speak through prophets 600 years at times before events and give them future prophecies and they come to pass? It either happened or it didn't happen. And when you walk them through the truth claims of Christianity, Christianity is distinct from any other world religion because our truth claims are grounded in historical phenomena and historical fact. Do you understand? So if they say to you, I don't believe there's a truth. Do you believe that's true? I don't believe there's absolute truth. Do you believe that absolutely is true? Yeah, I do. You just contradicted yourself. Let me help you understand. You don't know what you're talking about. Or I think all religions are the same. There's not one that's true. Well, did Jesus rise from the dead or not? If he did, no other religion is true except his because he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's true or it's not. Do you understand? And so if you're here today and you're struggling with this, Remember, it's not a head issue, it's a heart issue. A child can understand this. When I deal with people on the streets, and, and you may be here today, and you're saying, well, I just can't believe that, and my heart's hard, and I, you know, I don't know what, what you can ever say to change me, Pastor. There's probably nothing I could do to change you unless you wanted to be changed. Oftentimes, the, loud, the loudest lies and the biggest lies we tell are the lies we tell ourselves. And so when I came to Jesus, I was a hard-hearted person. Until I began to open my understanding, humbled myself to hear what the Bible was saying. And then my heart began to soften. How many are ready for the next one? Are you guys learning something? See, the next one that we see is the shallow ground. Now, Jesus, remember, the master of communication doesn't just give us one scenario, hard or soft, because then everybody would be like, well, of course, I'm the soft one, you know, because atheism, sassy people like that, they're very rare in our culture. But if you notice, they only get one part of the conversation of the bad seeds, of the bad ground. The other two are probably more practical to where you and I live or have been before, where some of our family is at. And this one we're going to learn about is the shallow ground. And the Bible says they receive the word with joy. At first, they're like, I want to be a Christian. I'm so excited. I want to do this. But then as time goes on, the sun comes out. And instead of providing the nutrients that it needs, the sun kills and destroys that little old plant. And Jesus said it's because they had shallow soil. Let's give it up for Jerry and Joe B as they come again. The shallow heart. How's it going? Oh, it's going good, I guess. Talking to people about Jesus. Oh, Jesus? Yeah. Oh, you know okay. him? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know somewhat about Jesus. Yeah? What, yeah. Like, what do you know about Jesus? Well, um, I kind of used to go to church when I was younger. Yeah? Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a good time in my life. 
Yeah, it was, that, but that's pretty much about it. You know, I actually I went a lot. Just to let you know, I went about six times. So a week. Yeah. Did six times a chair. week. Yeah. Every I was, day. Yeah, I, w- I had a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. And did you have a relationship with Jesus? Like, are you still living for well, him now? I just said I went to church about yeah. six. Oh, okay. Times so a when week. you were a kid, what about like your teenage years? Anything? Oh like well, that? you know, uh, it was fun for the time. But as I got older, you know, just stuff happened. You know, I started to realize things, and I'm not really into that stuff anymore. Well, what happened? Uh, well, you know, growing up, uh, seeing all that stuff in the church. Uh, you know, then they're preaching, talking about sin, talking about uh, just truth my, to you, yeah. But that kind of stuff, I I just I didn't want it anymore. You know, I kind of grew out of it, you could say. Well, did you ever have, like, a real relationship with Jesus where, you know, like, you had an intimate prayer life and you were living for God? Oh, well, I prayed here and there, you know, like, when they would do a prayer, uh, I'd pray with them, you know. When when there was a Bible verse being read, I, I read along with them. You know, that that's pretty much uh, what I did. Yeah. And so now you're just kind of out there in the world, like, not believing in Jesus? I mean, do you believe in Jesus historically? Like he came, he I lived, mean, he won. I mean, there's historical fact for that, but that he's the son of God. I mean, I know that Jesus, you know, was a historical figure, even though it might be a little, like, blurry what actually happened, I think. But, I mean, I, what's your name? Jerry. I mean, you, you, you probably have heard this story all the time, you know, about Jesus and stuff like that, just like I've heard it. But I, I think when I heard it when I was younger, I probably believed it a little bit more. Not as much as you, but... I, I just don't believe it any, anymore. You know, that's it. Well, it's not a big deal. Ah, uh, well, you know, it's funny that you say it, like, for me, I I've been just traveling, you know, and and just letting my mind be open to all types of things, you know. So I like like even Buddhism, Hinduism. I mean, sometimes even Islam. All that stuff. It just it helps me become a better me. You know, I take all the teachings and I apply it to my life. But you know what Jesus said? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me, meaning there isn't many ways to Jesus. There aren't many open doors. It's one way, and it's God's way. It's, okay. Jesus is like, it's my way or the highway. But what are you choosing? Because, I mean, it's, it's understandable to be spiritual here in the world, but, it's, but it's not, there's no foundation in that. Like, what are you building your life on? Well, I mean, me, you know, uh, have you ever failed? Yeah, I failed. Yeah. But you're building your life I mean, on a failing? Well, that's part of the reason I'm not, you know, being a Christian, you know, is because I failed a couple times, and, and you know, I just didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't feel like failing at being a Christian. So me doing this now, I realize there's more success, and I'm, I feel better as a person, you know, I, I like, and I, when I meditate, you know, I just know that I'm, I'm doing, doing better for myself. You, you get me? I get what you're saying, but it's more like you want God to be made in your image instead of being made in the image of God and following what he tells you to do. I, no, that's not what I want. I, I just honestly want to feel better, and these are things that help me feel better. I don't feel like giving my faith into something I really can't trust, and that would make me kind of feel bad. So, so you don't want to feel bad so you don't follow God, but yet your sinfulness will keep you from God. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I kind of see what you're saying, but I, I've heard it before, and, you know, I, I've already researched into this stuff. I'm trying to find myself, and, uh, you know, dude, I mean, it looks like you, you're, you're on your own little path and your own little journey, so, I mean, you, you can just let me 
do what I want to, you know? That, that's another reason I can't do Christianity is because I, I think it just gets too, way too deep and it doesn't give me ability to do what I want to do. And you just want to do you right now. Uh, you know, it, as much as it pains me to say, yeah, because it helps me be a better me. Well, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants you to be set free from all those things that are holding you back. But God has just this way of transforming you. But if you don't want that, like he's, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force you into yeah. his presence. He's not going to force you to be. But all of that, all of everything that you're talking about is just going to keep you from, from him. So you got to repent and be saved. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. It's just, it's kind of hard to believe in. Sorry. Well, you have a mind, right? Yeah. You, you believe you have a mind? You can think? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking right now. <laughs> well, you can't see your mind. Uh, no. But you know you have one. Have you ever been in love? Yeah. Okay, but you can't see love. That's true. Well... You can't see God, but he's there. Well, I, I believe in things you can't see. Like, I, I meditate. I'm actually, I feel like I'm probably closer to a higher being than I was before. But uh, it's not about you being a higher being. It's about believing in the higher being, in Jesus. Well, you know, that's where we differ, you know. Uh, but, you know, I already tried this stuff, uh, and I, it was a lot of fun, dude. I'll, I'll give you that. You guys have a lot of fun. But this is just better for me. Sorry. Let's give it up for that conversation. Come on. They did good. Went around about a little bit, but I feel that they did a good job of expressing someone who had tried Christianity, got let down in some way, and now is trying something else. Has anybody ever met anybody like that before? Like you tell them, let's go to church. And it's not like they haven't been to church. They've been to church before. They just don't want to go again. Well, what happened in their life? This seed, that, uh, this ground that Jesus is describing is a ground that is shallow that says they loved it at first and they were excited to do it at first. And you know what? I can even relate to this too in my life. I remember being a kid growing up in church, going to Sunday school, really loving those stories. And I was excited to serve Jesus. But as I began to go to pr uh, public school after leaving private school, I began to get persecuted for my Christian faith. Like they looked at me like I was a nerd. They kind of picked on me a little bit. And so I began to fight with kids. I began to cuss. I began to smoke. I began to do those things that I thought were great. Well, then, in my mind, if you would have talked to me as a junior higher, as a high schooler, I already knew Christianity. So if you would have told me about Christianity, I would have been like, I've already done that. I've already tried that. Didn't really work. But really, was it that God didn't work? Was it that the Bible didn't work? What didn't work? My heart. My heart didn't work it. And look at a lot of your lives. How many times did it take for you to come to church, hear the gospel, for you to really soften your heart and to receive God? Many of you, it took a long time because you kept coming to church or trying to do the right thing, and then you would quit. Then you would try to do the right thing. It would almost like you were joining like a gym, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do this church thing. I'm going to do this thing. And then a little time goes by, oh, man, I got better things to do. Well, what Jesus is describing here is that kind of person. And once again, it's not the devil's fault and it's not the son's fault. Because think about this. If you've got deep soil and the plant is growing good, is the sun a bad thing or a good thing? It's a good thing, isn't it? The sun is that which gives it its nutrients and allows it to grow. So now think about this, especially some of you who may be in this situation right now. How many of the tests are you facing right now instead of making you stronger are actually making you want to quit?
When I first became a Christian for realsies, when I was 18 years old, it didn't get better for me in a lot of ways. Sometimes people look at coming to Christianity like they're going to win the lottery. But me coming to Christianity at 18 years old, it didn't get better for me. Actually, a lot of the external things got worse for me. I lost all of my friends. The new friends that I tried to make didn't really want to be my friends. They were fake church friends. Then when I was working on my job, I began to get persecuted because I wouldn't smoke weed with them anymore. The boss would pick on me. I remember cussing her out, then losing my job. This was as a new Christian. I then began to move. I moved back in with my parents to live at home, and my mom and I began to fight all the time, and it was actually easier to live on my own than with my parents. But guess what? That son was providing me an opportunity to grow and change. Jesus said, "Take up your, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And so what was being used to give me nourishment could have crushed me if I did not trust God and open up my heart so that he could go down deep into every part of my life. And so go back over each one of those situations. As I faced losing my friends and the heat of that problem, that test, for six months, I endured it by God's grace and made the best friends that I've ever had in my entire life. Instead of the sun scorching me, it gave me life, and I have made great friends. Instead of, uh, you know, quitting on Jesus because now I don't have money either from selling drugs or a job, I began to keep working and changing my attitude and getting along with people when they made fun of me until I began to earn the respect of the people that I worked with and then began to have a great job and a great career. And the same thing was with my mom. Instead of letting our fights tear us apart and me say, man, I'll just go back and move in with my friends. Because as a young teenager, if I would have left my mother's house and moved back in with my friends, that would have been a pathway for me to go back into sin. Because staying with my mom was a safe place. Well, in that time, I began to change my attitude, come home and obey curfews and respect my parents. So the very thing that could have crushed me was the very thing that gave me life. And this is the thing you have to ask yourself if you find yourself in this very weak position right now. Am I willing to let God go deep into my heart? Am I willing to let these tests become testimonies? Because unless you let God change you in the process and bring the seed down deep into your life, it will be your fault that you are lost and go to hell. You may think at this time, like Joe B. was kind of describing, you may think at this time it's easier for you, it's funner for you, like temporarily you save money, you don't have to give to the church, or you have more friends because you didn't have to leave them behind and start over. That may be temporarily true, but one day your plant is going to get scorched. You're going to see in the end that you bear no fruit, and God's going to say to you, depart from me, I never knew you, and you're not going to be able to blame the Word of God because the Word of God has worked for others. And you won't be able to blame the sower, the preacher, the church, because the church has worked for others. And guess what you won't also be able to blame? You won't even be able to blame your problems because there are people who have gone through the same exact problems you have gone through, and instead of losing their faith, they They got stronger in faith. Think about that. The Bible says there are things that you are going through that others have already gone through and have passed that test stronger. Let me just give you one for example real quick. My mother lost her daughter to drinking and driving. I have seen that crush mothers, bring them into despair and depression. My mother will tell you that strengthened her faith and made her stronger in her walk with God.
I have had young people in this church confess to me, even in this church, that I was abused sexually by someone in my life growing up. And I've known people to commit suicide because of those great pain. But those young people who have confessed those abuse have said Jesus has made them stronger. Now they are helping hurting people in this world. They have a great compassion for those that go through that. So you see the same problem, same person, or the same kind of person, and yet the people make the decision on how they'll go through it. So do you want your seed to get scorched into your tests and to be burned up, your, your, your little uh, seedling, your sapling here? Or do you want it to become a testimony? Can I get an amen? Let's move to the next one here, the weedy heart. When we look at the weedy heart, what we're looking at here is this heart that begins uh, good and it looks fine, but the weeds begin to grow up and over time choke out that good that God is doing. And so I want you to pay attention to some of the things that they discuss in this uh, parable, this, this drama right here, because it may apply to you, because I think if you're not in the shallow part, you could be in this part today, sitting here right now going, Pastor, I love Jesus. I'm not a hard-hearted person. I'm all gun-ho for God. But there may be little things just starting right now in your heart that if you're not careful of, can become weeds and choke out that life. So you need to be a good gardener. You all ready for this? Let's give it up for Jerry and Joe B. The weedy heart. Oh, hey. I haven't seen you in a while. Where have you been? Uh, you know, just been trying to live life <laughs> one day at a time. Yeah, like, I haven't seen you in ages, man. Like, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, I haven't been able to come by the church because, you know, I have uh, things going on. I don't know if you heard, my uh, mom, she has cancer now, and I have to be... Yeah, we've been praying for that. Yeah, so I have to be at home, or I have to be working... Because uh, I have to pick up the slack since he's not working. I mean, still living for Jesus, like loving oh, God. Oh, yeah, you know, God's still with me. Uh, I, I believe he's still with me. So, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. Got my relationship with God. I pray here and there. You know, I read the verse of the day. You know, just things that, you know, to keep me uh, with God. But your relationship with him is solid. You still meeting with, uh, you know, your one on -er, like talking about these oh, things? Well, like I told you. Because I haven't you. seen you in life group. Yeah, yeah, I, I work about six days a week, uh, sometimes even seven, you know, I have to do overtime, uh, and, you know, Sunday is really the only consistent day I have off, and that's when I would we, uh, meet with the person, but, you know, I just, I text them here and there and tell them, you know, how I'm doing, but I just don't have time for that, you know, I have a lot of things going on in my life, I need to focus on that first, and I think everything will come, you know, come into uh, following that, so, yeah. But what about, like, holiness, like, uh, you still live in holy, like, it, Free from the stuff like, you know, you've told me your testimony in the past, like just being free from from like, you know, sexual perversion, you know, like like all of that. Like, how's that going? You know, uh, it's you know, I struggle here and there, but, you know, overall, I'm, I think I'm pretty, pretty good. You know, like I, I there's sometimes there's some things I really can't shake, but I think, you know, you I know, think God still loves me. <laughs> right, Jerry? I well, mean, God still loves you, but he doesn't love your sin. Well, I'm not saying I am my sin. You know, I've been, I'm saved. It's okay. You're, okay, but you're li but you got to live it out. Jerry, I'm trying my hardest. Like, why why are you pinpointing this stuff in my life? Like, I'm trying my hardest. You know, all I need is a little bit of encouragement. But that's what you get at the church. That's what what the the point of being well, part of the body. It's is. okay because 
right, like I said, I'm working a lot. So I've been spending times, uh, spending a lot of time with my coworkers, and they say they're Christian. You know, they be helping me out sometimes. But, you know, I, I really need the money right now. So I can't really go to the church here and there because I'm, I'm not making money at the church. Uh, and God's not going to just let it rain on me so I can pay for my aunt, um, pay for my mom, and pay uh, for my schooling. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm, you know, I had to drop out because of the debt and, and everything. So this is really important to me. And I, I could use a little bit of support. I don't need you to well, judge me. Well, I want me. to encourage you with... You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are added unto you. You, th- you don't think God understands, like, where you're at and what you're doing? Like, of course he does. He loves you. But it's like you can't keep living in this lifestyle of sin. He's not going to bless your mess. All right, well, I'm trying. My heart is, what more do you want from me? You know, it's just sometimes I can't help but sin. You know, it's it's kind of who I am right, right now, you know? Like, I'm struggling, but I know in due time, in due time, I'll get right with God, and so on your time schedule, you're gonna get right with God. Well, it's it's not like that. But you're loving Jesus. I I am loving Jesus. I do love Jesus with all my heart. Well, I want to show you this passage. It's in First John two three through four. We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says I know Him but does not do what He commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Are you calling me a liar now? What is this? Well, I'm not a liar. I love, love Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. But you're not doing what he commands. You're a liar. You act like you've never messed up. You're acting like some type of perfect person that's never I'm fallen not perfect. short. I'm not perfect. Well, but I don't continually live in sin. I don't just like, oh, oops, I'm in sin. And oops, I'm not in sin now. Like God's grace is sufficient <laughs> for us, but it's there to catch us if we fall and when we fall. But it's not like, oh, I'm going to just go sin and then I'm going to be okay with God. Sorry, God. Like, but then you're going to do it again. Jesus often told, you know, the people he healed, he'd say, go and sin no more. He didn't say, okay, go on your way and do what you did just a minute ago. Well, well listen, I have my own walk. You have your own walk. I would suggest that you pay attention to yourself because I'm paying attention to myself. I'm trying my best to be a Christian. And, you know, sometimes but I that's fall. That's why you got to stay in fellowship. You got to be with a mentor, somebody I, who's going to help you. There's too you much walk. stuff going on. I'm sorry. There's too much stuff going on. Man, God has such a good pl- plan and purpose for you. <laughs> okay. All right. I know this stuff. Just let me. Be me, and I'll handle my stuff, okay? But I love you. That's why I have to tell you this. All right, and I get that. Just tell someone else that, okay? I, I really am not in the mood for that. Sorry. Let's give it up again for Joe B. and Jerry bringing it, doing such a great job. How many of you have ever been in a conversation with someone like that, either from the church you used to go to uh, or here or somewhere in your family? A lot of Thanksgiving conversations are going to be happening around the table. You may be talking to someone that's not living for God anymore. How many know that when you have problems in your life, especially problems that you are ashamed of or embarrassed of, you don't want other people talking about? You don't want other people talking about it. Like take, for example, I got a little walkway up into my uh, front door at my house, and there's always weeds growing there. And they don't start off all big and crazy. They just start off really little. And around June, I looked at those weeds, and I was like, oh, man, I'll take care of those things later, you know? And they just kept growing and growing until they got big. And then they took over my plants and got bigger and bigger, literally to where you couldn't tell the difference between the weed and the plants that are there. And then guess what happens? My mom comes and visits who used to be on a farm and all that, and guess what she does? She picks those weeds up, and you know what? I feel convicted now 
because my mom did what I should have done. Now, you think that would have changed the way I looked at those weeds. But come September again, they started growing again. I've been looking at those weeds, and you know what I just said to myself the other day, literally the other day, you know what I said? Oh, it's like wintertime now. The weather will kill those weeds. I don't got to pick them now. How many of you are like that when it comes to your own life? You look at the areas of your life, and you're like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. I'll take care of that later. Gets bigger and bigger. Gets bigger and bigger before it consumes your life. Before you know it, it consumes your life, and it takes over your identity, and you don't even know how you got there. You're just there. Let's, let's take, for example, the man that has an affair and cheats on his wife. Do you think the day he got married and said, I do, he saw himself three years later having an affair? No, because he wouldn't have gotten married if that's what he was intending to do. It doesn't even matter how much of a sinner he is. When he stood that day at that altar, in his mind, he was thinking, I am with you. I'm going to give this the best shot that I got. Well, how did he end up in that hotel three years later with his coworker? Well, how did it happen? Started off as a little weed. Man, I don't really get along with my wife like I used to. She nags at me all the time. I'll just go hang out with the guys at the bar. Then guys at the bar who are single get him looking at other girls all the time, talking about other girls. Now he starts having fantasies, starts looking at for pornography, starts making inappropriate friendships with the opposite sex, and then... Six months later, he's in an affair. Didn't happen overnight. Happened over time. It happened as little weeds grew and choked out his marriage. Same thing that happens with debt. How many of you have ever been in debt before? Do you ever get the credit card? Now, some of you are crazy. You might have just got the credit card, spent 5000 Now I'm in debt. But most of us, how does it go? How does it go? You got your credit card, maybe $5,000 limit, and you think to yourself, oh, I'll, nev I'll never use this. I'll never use that. It's just good to know I got $5,000 worth of credit. It's, it's just good to know. I'll never use it. And then all of a sudden, just a couple weeks later, you know, you're shopping and you're thinking, well, you know, I get paid Friday, but, you know, I kind of want it now. And I'll just, I'll just get the pair of shoes right now. And then when it comes time to pay the, pay the bill, because you never pay it the moment you spend it, right? 30 days later, you get the bill and you just go, oh man, I already spent that money from that paycheck. You know what? I'll, I'll just, I'll just pay the bare minimum. I'll pay it next month. But then when happens next time you're in the store or next time you're thinking about upgrading your cable or the next time your phone breaks well, I'll just get the better phone and before you know it you're looking at a balance of four thousand nine hundred and eighty nine dollars and seventeen cents and you're saying how did I get here and if you call up Visa, they'll tell you exactly how you got there. Hey, you want me to run down the note for you? January 1st you did this January 5th and then and then what happens now you have to face the facts and so these weeds that come into our life, Jesus said, are three different kinds of weeds. Listen, worry, love of money, love of pleasure, and things. Some of us don't think we can go to hell for our worries, but you can. You can go to hell over your fears and not trusting God. Everybody listen to me. Be very clear to hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'm not saying those of you who struggle with worry and fear are going to hell. I'm just saying if you let worry or fear keep you from serving God, you can go to hell. Take, for example, if we were going to go skydiving, okay? Now, in skydiving, if you've never done it before, you're probably going to be scared. How many think you would be scared, right? Now, there's kind of like the cute scared, which I think of like Rachel, because Rachel and Ricky went skydiving. And I could think Rachel might have been a little scared, but maybe like the cute scared like oh it's gonna be scary but fine okay i'll do it you know now then there's like there then, then there's like the like like i'm cool scared but i don't want to tell anybody i'm scared like ricky like man i'm cool 
But on the inside, it's like, I'm scared, you know. But you know, like his little bottom lip is quivering. He's trying to play it off, but he's scared. Then there's like the crazy scared, you know. But you still go and do it. You're crazy scared. Like, oh, I'm crazy scared, but I'll do it. I'll do it. I want to do it. You're like, no, no, I don't want to. Yeah, I do want to. But you do it. Then there's like, get me off the plane. I'm scared. I'm not doing this. And that's the kind of scare that will keep you from heaven. Listen to me. It's okay if we get afraid in life because trusting God can sometimes be scary. But it's when we refuse to trust God and let fear control us that it's going to overtake us and become like a weed. He said in Revelation, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile have their place in the lake of fire. That means the vile are sent to hell just with the, unbe- the same with the unbelieving and the fearful. So imagine God, uh, Jesus rather, he's in the plane with you and he's like, let's jump, let's go, tandem, let's go. And you're like, no, I ain't going. I'm staying in the plane. And he looks at you and he goes, either you jump with me and are saved by my parachute or you perish with the plane going down. If you are more afraid to jump out of the plane, you will perish. You see, sometimes we are more afraid of trusting Jesus than we are of going to hell, and that is the wrong kind of fear. You would rather fear the Lord, fear going to hell, than to fear trusting Jesus. Worry will, will, will take out your plan. The next thing is the love of money. See, think about us in America. We're so rich compared to the rest of the world. We have all these clothes, all of these cars, all these conveniences, all these nice homes, running water, technology, civil government to protect us. And so what do we do? We start to get a little cocky. I love watching this show called uh, Running Wild with Bear Grylls where he takes out these celebrities out into the wilderness. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it, but it's on Hulu. It's awesome. He took out uh, Shaq. You know, how many think Shaq's pretty cool, right? Shaq is amazing and monstrous. Well, here's how Shaq, here's how Shaq comes out into the wilderness. He, he's coming into a, tra- he's in a train. He's coming into the wilderness. and He's got to meet Bear Grylls. Well, he's, you know, driving in there into the forest. He's shouting out in the train, ah! making noise. He's like, I'm letting the animals know I'm coming. Shaq is here, you know. But listen to me. But listen to me. It only took a little bit of time before he had him dangling over a cliff that Shaq was crying like a little baby for mama. Watch it. I'm being serious because here's the thing. Shaq is worth about $300 million. But when it came down to him being hung over a cliff by one little string, $300 million would not help him or save him. And here's the thing. We are so often deceived by our money and our American lifestyle to think we're so safe. We're so safe. God God would never send me to hell. I'll never have problems. I'll never have a situation that's too big for me because I can just pay for it, put it on a credit card, or drive in my nice car away to a vacation. But think about that. Shaq hanging over a cliff, realizing $300 million can't save me. Only the man holding onto that rope can save me. And so when you put money before God, you know what you're saying? You're saying, money's my God. Money will save me. But I love what Jerry said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. When do we get a joyful, happy life? When we have God. So if I put God first, I, I can ask God for blessings, for money, for provision, but I put God first. And so don't get deceived by money. And I just love watching that with Shaq. Shaq was so cool 
until he met his match. And then another one they had in there was the Super Bowl running back for the Seattle Seahawks. Same thing with him. Man, he was so cool. He was like waiting for the chopper to come until he realized he had to get on the chopper and stand on the ledges, clip in, and fly with the chopper hanging on the ledge. And Bear Grylls is going no hands, just trusting the thing, going, look, dude, look. And that guy is like covering his head like a little baby. Once again, $45 million net worth didn't do him anything. And then lastly, the love of things. The love of things, the love of pleasure. Some people say, if I just have this thing, if I just have this car, if I just get this, I will be happy. If I could just be in this relationship. And none of those things will satisfy you. You will find yourself having done the greatest pleasure, bought the greatest thing, and you'll be no more happier than the, the day you were before. Don't be deceived by that. And we got the last one. Come on, somebody say, bring it. This is the last but best one right here. Last but not least, the fruitful ground. And this is where everybody can be. And we're going to end with this one today. But this is where everybody can be. No matter where you started off. You might have started off with a hard heart. You might have started off with a shallow heart. You might have started off with weeds in your heart today. But this is where you can end. And I hope that you're really blessed by it. Let's give it up for Jerry and Joe B. One more time. The good ground. I got some good news for you. Uh, okay. <laughs> you ready for some good news? Uh, yeah, about what? It's about Jesus. Oh, yeah. You know Jesus? Yeah, I know Jesus. Well, who is he? Who is he to uh, you? Well, I, I mean, I know that he died on the cross for our sins. Yeah, that, that, that goes pretty much the biggest thing I know. Son of, son of God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Came, died, yeah. rose again. Yeah, all that The stuff. basics. Yeah, the basics, yeah. The basics? You could say, yeah. Do you know why? Um, I, uh, not really, <laughs> no one's ever really told me. Love. Oh, okay. Do you know that he loved you so much that that's why he came to do it? Because he loved you, he loved me, he loved that person over there, you know, that, that he loved them so much that he had to come and die for them. That, that's pretty, that's cool, I, n I didn't really know that. You know the story of Adam and Eve? Yeah, I know that ate the apple or the, the piece of fruit. Well, what happened was this, this wall became between God and man. And Jesus thought that that was a tragedy and that he wanted to have a direct relationship with his creation, a relationship, right? You have a relationship with people, right? Yeah. And I always say this, that he's a relational God. We are relational people. What are the most valuable things in our life? It's not our stuff. It's our pe like the people we're closest to, our families, our friends, that sort of thing. Well, you were so valuable that Jesus did what only Jesus could do, which was to come to take our sin on the cross to die for us so that he could make the way for us to be in heaven with him forever. That's crazy. I, I just... You know, I've heard, I've heard about Jesus before, and, you know, they, he, he died on the cross. I mean, I, I kind of grew up in church, but it's just, you know, I, I kind of don't know how to feel about that because it, knowing that he loves me so much, it's just, it's kind of hard to live for him. You know, I, I, you know, I've heard about hell, and to be honest, I, I kind of know that I'm going there because I'm pretty sure if God loves me so much, I've disappointed him. There's well, really you know no what, the good, the good part is that you know that there's something missing, right? Like, when I was a lost person, when I didn't know where I was going, or when I knew like I was not going to be with Jesus if I were to die tomorrow or today, that there's this, this confusion and this, this emptiness inside. 
But then it's like, but when I met Jesus, everything changed for me. In that moment, it was all gone, all the worry, all the anxiety, all the frustration. And for the promise for you and for all of us is that we can be redeemed, we can be saved, we can be justified. And so it's not about you being good. Like we, it, the Bible talks about we don't do it out of works so that no man can boast but we can boast in the goodness of God who comes and takes away the sin of the world. But for you, it's like you have to get right with God. And it says, if anyone believes in his heart and confesses with his lips that Jesus is Lord, he will be saved. And that's how you, that's how you get right with God. You just say, God, I'm sorry. Repentance is, I'm sorry, God. And the it's to turn. It's to turn around. It's like I don't just continue to go on in my sin. I say, I'm sorry, God, for yeah. what I've done. Forgive me. I, I want to be right before you, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Well, I mean, I, I definitely want that. <laughs> well, why, mean, don't you, why don't we I'm... pray together? Okay. Will you pray this with me? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to say, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I know I haven't been living right for you. I know that I haven't been living right for you. But I want to. But I want to. I give myself to you, God. I give myself to you, God. And I ask you to make me new. And I ask you to make me new. Please be the Lord of my life. Please be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys. Uh, I just want to explain to you, uh, you know, what really happened here. This is uh, a little bit of my testimony because I grew up in, I grew up in church, right? And I uh, knew about Jesus, but I really could not understand the love of God. You know, I couldn't understand that the love of God, so, so, it, it, he forgives you, he makes you new, and he abides in you. I couldn't, I couldn't really understand that. So I went, uh, so I grew up in church and, you know, after a lot of things happened, my mom passing away, uh, uh, my church was shut down, so many things were happening, and, uh, and I just remember in high school living in a state of depression all the time, anger, uh, I never could find peace, and, you know, just me wanting to, uh, wanting, wanting God, but me being in fear of God that I'm going to hell, and I, I, I was always, you know, uh, scared, but I never understood that God loves me, and he doesn't, he doesn't want me to live in sin, and he can set me free. So, uh, you know, I, can't, I started coming to Metro, and I remember one service about two years ago, there was a Filipino man named, uh, he was a pastor, he is still a pastor, but uh, he was preaching, and he was preaching about surrendering uh, to Jesus, and he was talking about the freedom that comes with that. And I knew in my heart, uh, I, I, I was listening, and I, I really wanted this freedom that he was preaching about. And I was willing to surrender all that I had, my life, uh, my sins, everything, all the struggles that have been uh, plaguing me for so many years, uh, just to experience this freedom. And I'm telling you, uh, I opened my heart, and I repented of my sins, and I surrendered everything. And... Uh, Man, I'm not, even, I'm not even joking. I felt a freedom, like a lift off my shoulders. And I, I believe that that was the Holy Spirit making me new. And uh, ever since then, you know, I'm not going to lie and tell you that my life, like Pastor Joe was saying, externally there's been a lot of things going on. But I've been at peace. I've been able to receive God's joy. I know when in times of uh, when depression is trying to come my way, uh, way and weeds are trying to grow up, I know that, uh, you know, God is the ultimate gardener, you know, and he ultimately grows me into the man of God. So now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going forth with Jesus. 
Jesus. Once I had no purpose, I was full of depression. Now I'm in Bible college. You know, I'm, I'm just being blessed by his joy. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just thankful. And it's a, it's a really beautiful thing. And, and if, you are, if you see yourself in any of these grounds, uh, man, I'm telling you, you know, you want to be, uh, be a part of the harvest. So, yeah. Man, let's give it up for that testimony. Great job, guys. All right, let's stand up together. Thank you guys for your patience. I know we went a little bit late today, but let's close out in prayer. Let's have uh, Rachel or, or Brandon. What time does your flight leave? <laughs> Can you play a little music? in the? Oh, here's Adam. Adam, why don't you play something? I'm going to talk to my brother right here. Isn't BZ good? Let's give it up for BZ again. Amen. Love you, BZ. So here we are, the four grounds. It's been demonstrated, that simple parable of Jesus. Where are you at today? As we dim the lights and get ready to pray, I want you to think about that. Just close your eyes and ask the Lord, where am I? What is my heart like, Jesus? Show me who I am on the inside. Ask the Lord to show you, and he will. Is your heart hard today? Have you been deceived by the lies of this world? If that's you, ask the Lord right now to soften your heart and say, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. No matter how much evidence my wife gave me that she loved me as my fiance and that she would never leave and forsake me, I still had to have faith that our marriage would last. There is never going to be enough evidence for you to believe in God where you don't need faith. Even the disciples who saw Jesus walk on water, do miracles, had to have faith. If you're here today and you want to have faith, open up your heart and say, Lord, I receive your word. I believe it today. I believe what you have said about me. I believe it. I believe what you've showed me about who I am and who you are. I'm a sinner. You're a Savior. You are God. I am man. Creation. Creator, creation. And God, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. If you're that hard-hearted person right now, just say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I surrender to you. The day C.S. Lewis got saved, he was an atheist professor at Oxford. He said the orneriest, most resistant atheist was brought to his knees that day. And if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. Paul said after he was a part of persecuting Christians, he had a stone-cold heart. He said if God can have mercy on me, the worst of sinners, he can do it for anyone. No one's heart is too hard today that they cannot choose to open up and confess Jesus as Lord. As you're looking at your heart today, if you're one of those that has a shallow heart, you've tried Christianity, you've quit Christianity. Or you've tried being a disciple, you've quit being a disciple. And you keep looking at all your self-effort and how you keep failing. You need to ask the Lord to come into your life and make you strong. Go deep inside of you. Root you and ground you in His love. 
The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Peter could walk on water as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. The moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. If you take your eyes off Jesus today, you'll fail again. And the very things that were meant to give you a testimony, those tests will burn you and crush you. Surrender your life to God. Don't do it for the American dream. Do it for how good He is. I'm not going to heaven for streets of gold. I'm going to heaven because that's where Jesus is. If you're here today and you have weeds in your heart, the weeds of worry, you're worrying about what your friends think, worrying about what others in this culture will think. Oh, if I believe this, then I'll be, you know, I'll be considered an outcast at my college because everybody sleeps with their boyfriend. Everybody supports homosexuality. Everybody believes in multiple religions like Oprah Winfrey. Everybody will, you know, will kick me out of their group. Okay, give it to Jesus. Bible says don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. You seek him today. If you got the, the weed of wealth and your idea that I'm so powerful, think of Shaq hanging from a rope going, I'm not powerful anymore. Ask God to show you that money cannot save your soul. Say, Lord, forgive me for trusting in my education, my house, my job, my family. And if you're today here living for pleasure and things, say, Lord, uproot it. Take it out of me. Make my heart yours. Not 50-50 yours, 50 mine. Not 90 yours, 10 mine. All yours, Jesus. All of me for all of you. All of me for all of you. And now lastly, let's all do it together. Raise up our hands and be that good heart today. And thank Jesus for the cross that washes all of our sins away, makes us able to be fruitful vines in his vineyard. And right now with hands raised, grateful hearts, ask the Lord to make you fruitful. I'm believing God today that everybody here can leave out a fruitful vine in God's vineyard. Everybody here can have the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody here can accomplish that which God has called you to do. With your hands raised, we're going to sing this song that Brandon and I sang in the, second, uh, the first service. Just with your hands raised. Let's sing it out, Brandon. Come on. Sing my heart Come on. and form it. Jesus. Take my mind, transform it. Come on, sing it out. Take my will, conform it to yours. To yours, to yours, oh Lord. Come on, let's sing it again. Take my heart, Jesus. Take my heart. Yeah. Before we sing it again, let's have the altar workers come. We'll dismiss in prayer in just a moment. But before we do, we're going to sing this one more time. And then we'll pray. If you need help with prayer, our altar workers will pray for you. But before we dismiss, I want you to hear from Brandon right now. So give him your attention. Brandon, you were a man that was raised in church by a great family. Yet you needed a heart transformation to become fertile soil 
There's been a lot of things in your life that God has done great fruit. But what would you say is one of the blessings that God has done in your life to show you that bearing fruit in the kingdom is better than weeds, better than shallowness, better than hard-heartedness? What's something in your 20-plus years of Christianity that God has done in your life that you would just say, it's all been worth it because of this? I'm going to be honest. It's the simplest answer ever. It's realizing that there is nothing I could do. Mm. I, I was raised in a, 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 I call it a machine that produced robots who kept trying to do everything for God. And they felt like, you know, oh, I've got to do more for God. And the reality is that I don't have to live for God God lives in me and through me. It says in him we live, move, and have our being. And it's like when I quit worrying about doing everything myself and took off all the condemnation and the bondage that came with that mm. and just realized that there is freedom in Jesus mm. and that he has paid the ultimate price, yes. a sacrifice on the cross. Come it on. just brought freedom to me to where Ooh. I have never understood freedom like I do now. And I'm telling you, like, that is why even with hardened hearts, you can be religious and still have a hardened heart and not even realize it because you're doing the practices of religion. But when it comes to relationship with Jesus and you realize that he is a good father who loves you and he is pleased with you and he wants to be with you and he wants to live through you, yep. I'm telling you, you, be, you experience freedom like never before. Woo! And so that is why it's, it's a so simple and you hear yeah, it all the it. time, but it's when that yeah. revelation drops that your whole life is just like, what? Yeah. I don't have to do anything for you. You've already done it for me. Woo! And now I get to live in a new nature yeah. and I get to have the grace of a merciful, awesome, good father. It Amen. just blows your mind Amen. and it makes you want to love him even more. Brandon, would you pray for us? And then after he does, we'll dismiss. And if you need prayer, have some of our prayer workers pray with you. Otherwise, worship with us, and then we'll see you at Life Groups. Amen? Go ahead, BZ. Thank you. Father, we just bless you for today, God. Yes. We thank you, Lord, for Whoa. this church. Come we thank on. you for every person here yes. in our 1 o'clock service. You, and, Lord, we just say, God, that you are doing Jesus. a mighty work in Chicago yes. through this, this church, through thank this group you, of believers through, Lord, this community, God, and Thank this you, fellowship Jesus. of people who love you. So, Father, if there were people here today, Lord, Jesus, who have stony hearts, God, and they have uh, fallow ground, Lord, we pray for them, Lord, that the Spirit of Almighty God would soften the ground, Lord. If they have shallow ground, Lord, we pray that the word of your Spirit, Lord, would begin to deepen that ground, Lord. If they have weeds growing up in their hearts, Lord, we pray, Father that the righteousness of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that the kingdom life, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost would begin to clear out the lot, Lord, of their heart. And it would begin to remove the weeds, Lord, that try to choke out the life of fruit, God. And that we would all become a person, Lord, who has a plentiful, grounded heart, Father, that is producing fruit. For you said in your word that it's your will for us to produce much fruit. And so we just speak that and we claim that, Lord, over every person in this building. That, God, they are going to be people, Lord, who bear much fruit. For you said, Jesus, that they will know us to be your disciples by the fruit we bear. So we thank you that you are bearing fruit in our life. You're living, Lord, through us. 
and we get to move, live, and have our being in you, Jesus. And we give you all the praise, all the honor. Come on, let's give glory. it up for Jesus. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you. We'll see you at Life Groups. You're dismissed. Come up for prayer and worship. Otherwise, we'll see you soon. Woo! Sing it up. Take my heart. Yeah, yeah. Take my heart and form it. Take my mind. Transform it, Jesus. Transform it. Take my will, Lord. Take my